Alright. I will open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We humbly come before you and we just thank you, Lord, for for your word, for your son, for salvation and for your resurrection, for the hope that we have in that. And we just pray, Lord, that we will focus our minds this morning on your word and what you um, gave Paul to teach his church, to teach us, and help us, Lord, to to go home and wrestle with the things that we've learned and to just be mission-minded, Lord, to be have the mind of Christ, to love others well, and uh, just to give you the glory in all that we do, whether we eat, sleep, drink, whatever it is, Lord, that we just give you the glory and we be mindful of that. Thank you again for your son. Thank you for the rain and uh, help us to glorify you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so here we are in First and Second Corinthians. Um, so yeah, I get to teach both books today. That's really exciting, um, <laughs> right? Two whole books in thirty minutes. That's, uh, but no, it's uh, I'm going to focus on First Corinthians uh, mainly this morning, just because um, that's what I feel like doing. How about that? Um, so anyway, so I, I, I just wanted to, to kind of reiterate, we, as we missed last week, uh, they, Dan did a wonderful job with, um, you know, the latter part of Acts and wanted to give you a little bit of background for Paul. Uh, so he was born around five to 10 AD. He was an Israelite born from the tribe of Benjamin. He was Roman citizen and he was raised in either Jerusalem or Tarsus. And he was... Uh, as you know, uh, was on a mission to kill people of the way, anybody that, um, that had anything to do with, um, with, this, new, with this Christ and with this new mission. Um, and he even authorized the stoning of Stephen, as you know. And he was converted around 29, he was right, right around 29 years old. Uh, they don't know, it was around uh, 33 to 34. Twelve years later, he was, went on his first mission. Uh, missionary journey, and he stayed there a year and a half. Barnabas uh, took Paul to Syrian uh, Antioch, where they ministered for a year. In Antioch, the disciples were there first called Christians, and that's where the churches were strengthened. Two years later, he went on a second missionary journey, uh, stayed there two and a half years. Paul and Silas, they visited Derby. We talked about that in Acts, uh, Lystra, Lystra, and Antioch and Pisidia. They traveled to Troas, then they went to Athens and Corinth and to the, in southern Greece, they sailed to Ephesus and Caesarea. They visited the church in Jerusalem, and they stayed about a year and a half. And that is where he established the church in Corinth, and we're going to talk about that. But I really like the timeline um, of his life. He uh, wrote First and Second Thessalonians around 51. A year later, he went on his third missionary journey, stayed about five years in Ephesus. He spent about three years there. He, that's where he wrote, he wrote First Corinthians. He made a painful visit to Corinth, saw their sexual perversion. Um, and he returned to Ephesus, and he wrote 2 Corinthians in AD 56. One year later, after he wrote Corinthians, he wrote Romans, and uh, then he went on his journey to Rome. It was shipwrecked, 62. He was under house arrest. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and then in 62 to 67, those five years, he was released from house arrest in Rome, traveled to Spain. He wrote 1 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy, and then he was martyred. So that's his life uh, in a nutshell. Uh, the reason uh, I like to, to go on a timeline because our own timeline, our own life, your own life, is, um, it is a picture of God's sovereignty. 
and you can see exactly how God orchestrated his life. Uh, and did you know, because I'm, I'm a numbers girl, and I'm weird like that, um, but I did the math, and he was born or lived 1,952 years ago. The reason I tell you that is because we, I tend to think of Bible times and those people a really, really, really long time ago that they kind of weren't real maybe, or maybe they were fictional, but he was a real person, and he lived that long ago. Did some more math, and he lived 17,109,280 hours ago. How about that? He was real, right? And, and, it, and it wasn't that long ago. Think about that. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. All right, so 1 Corinthians. Um, why did he write to the church in Corinth? Well, in for, and I, here's the, the fa- this kind of came to me yesterday as I was kind of redoing this uh, or, or studying for this again and the reminder of it. But in 1 Corinthians, he says this. He opens the letter with this. Paul, we know he's the author. Called by the will of God to an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. I'm not sure how you say that word or say his name. Um, but it says here, and if you circle in your Bible, I would love for you to circle the words I'm about to tell you. Uh, it says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon uh, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So I want you to, to circle the word church, okay, if, you're, if, you're in, if you do that or take notes, I guess. Um, and then those sanctified. And then saints. He is writing to the saints. That's what they are positionally. They weren't acting like that, but that's who they were. Uh, they were Christ followers. Uh, together with all those. And then you can underline in every place. reason I say that is because when someone asks you, where do you go to church? What do we say? Fisherville? We think of this building. We think of this parking lot. Uh, in this area of town, uh, but I was reminded by my two-year-old, long time ago, she'll, she'll be 21 on Saturday, and when she was two, my other daughter was born, so my second daughter, Peyton, she's in the nursery taking care of your babies, which she loves, tells me every week she loves them, um, but she was born, we were in the hospital, um, it was the day after she was born, um, all these people from church, we were members of Ninth and O at the time, and um, this is before my husband was a pastor, he was in seminary, and um, so so she, my daughter, my two-year-old or two-year-old at the time, she was potty training, and so my husband had her in the bathroom doing her thing, you know, and um, all these people from church came in. It was in the evening time, so you know, all these people from Ninth and O came to visit Peyton uh, and me, and so she comes out of the bathroom with my husband, and she looked up her little two-year-old eyes and said, "Oh look, mommy, the church." Hmm, that's what she said. And I was like, I was floored in that moment, and I haven't forgotten it 20 years later, um, that the church, and I think this is the whole foundation of why he wrote this letter, it is to the people. Obviously, the buildings weren't there yet, but um, they didn't meet in nice buildings like we have now. But it is the church, and it's the people, and his focus is um, on what he wants those people to do and how he wants them to act, but for the purpose of why. And so that's what we're going to kind of unpack here. So that's what I wanted to, for you I love the way he did that. He says the church. He says those sanctified. He says saints, and he says all with all those in every place. We are one body, not just here at Fisherville, but we're one body globally even with those others who love Christ. So he received a letter concerning their behavior. Was their behavior good? No. They were, um, they were Ephesus, Corinth and Ephesus were wealthy port cities. Uh, they, they were steeped in pagan idolatry. They were very much steeped in Roman culture. 
So at that time, uh, they were into major sexual perversion, and in the church, they really got it wrong. They were trying; they were very arrogant. They were trying to one up each other, um, and they got it twisted. Okay, so I say that, and you'll hear me say that a lot. Uh, that is the title of this lecture: "Don't Get It Twisted." Okay. As I'm reading this, um, you have to understand we are a big music family. My husband um, loves music. I love music. Our kids do. And, um, and as I'm reading Corinthians, this song kept popping in my head. Do you ever do that? Do you ever read something and a song just keeps going over and over? Well, this is a rap song, actually, um, <laughs> that came into my, song to get into my head. Uh, as I kept reading 1 Corinthians, um, the whole book, I was just like, don't get it twisted. There's a, um, a young man. His uh, name is Trip Lee. Uh, he is a reformed rapper. He graduated from Boyce College. He's now a pastor in, in Georgia. He's a teaching pastor. And um, I just saw him last year, actually. He's still rapping. <laughs> uh, he was at the at church in northern Kentucky. But um, it's an am- he's an amazing artist. So if you want to look him up and if you like rap, hey, you'll like him, okay? Um, but anyway, they got it, the church got it twisted, okay? The church was full of arrogance. They tried to one-up each other. And how did they do that? They identified themselves not in Christ but in who they followed. We tend to do that in our own church, don't we? Oh, I read Piper. I read MacArthur. We tend to, we tend to draw those lines, don't we? Um, even within the church, we, we identify ourselves. It gives us comfort, I guess. Um, and they were doing that. They were really full of arrogance. Um, and some also, too, I've, I've noticed and I've experienced. Some people like to get close to the pastor, too. Guess what? Pastor's family, just to let you know, I was one for 14 years. In that big of a deal. <laughs> we, still, we still just do what y'all do, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, but it was interesting to me, and I have seen this in, in some different churches that I've been part of, how people put their identity in who they become friends with, and they try to get into this inner circle. And, um, and this arrogance starts to become a part of them, and it, and it, it makes me very sad, um, too, because, you know, it's not very fair to the person you're trying to be friends with if you're after their position and not the person, right? Um, but anyway, so they kind of got caught up in that. Um, they identified with who taught them. They got it twisted majorly. And Paul, his, his whole purpose of telling them, this was is, is to point them to Christ. I mean, it was all about Christ. That was Paul's mission from the beginning is remind them this is about Christ. It's not about even me. You don't follow me. You follow Apollos. You follow Jesus. It's, a, it's about him and him alone. He is the redemptive thread. Um, the other reason that I love a timeline so much, too, is because uh, that's how I read the Bible. That's how I, um, uh, I read it chronologically at one time in my life. And, and I, you've, some of you have heard me say this before. Uh, in testimony that I gave, but um, you know, I, I read this. I read the Bible chronologically because you know all the books aren't written in chronological order. Um, and I and I did that, and I, I fell in love with God. I mean, for almost the first time. And I'm not talking about my salvation. I'm talking. I fell in love with His character, with who He was. I started to see. He let me see who He was, and it was a beautiful thing. And all. And also, I used to homeschool my kids a long, long time ago, and we went through this history. Um, it was called the Mystery of History. And it was from creation of, of the world all the way to Jesus' resurrection. And we made this big timeline. I mean, literally, it was this timeline from there until his resurrection. And we put in all kinds of things. Did you know that when we read the Bible, other things were happening in other parts of the world, like China and things? So we were teaching about that. And so we taught, uh, taught my kids history in that way. And then we had to take a, uh, when we were all done and we got to the time of his resurrection, we took a red um, piece of yarn. And we traced it. Um, all the, uh, it was the redemptive thread of Christ. We traced it in God's history and how He did everything. 
um, through his people and, and all of that, and it was just a beautiful thing. So I love timelines. I even ask my kids when they get in trouble, give me a timeline. You know, I've got to know what's going on. I don't know if my head, my, my brain just works that way, but okay. So, um, so Paul reminded the church when they were getting it twisted, they were, you know, one-upping up, one each other. He reminded them that all their gifts and their talents were not to push them to the top, and it wasn't to push them to the front of the pack. And I think that's where we get it, uh, get it twisted again as well. And I wanted to read you, Triply, actually, I'm going to read you a little bit of that. I'm not going to wrap it. <laughs> Y'all be happy, happy to know that? No, no, not going to do that. Um, but, but I did listen. So I started to listen to this song as it was in my head. Um, then I listened to it on the treadmill. And um, I will not sing it like him because I can't talk that fast. Um, it says, uh, this is called, don't get it twisted, or it's just called twisted. It says, I mean, let's make it plain. Somebody keep him breathing, keep his blood flowing, keep his heart beating. God keep him eating, and it ain't no secret, don't get it twisted. God gave him what he needed. My life ain't never been mine. Yeah, I work hard, and yeah, I grind. But not to get rich, man, not to shine, and not to get rich, man, not to shine. And I don't boast much, I don't brag, because everything I got, man, I got from dad. And matter of fact, ain't one thing I have that God ain't put here in my hand. So I say remember that your legs work because of him. Next time you're running for your goals, think who's really running it. Everything is under him, planets, countries, cities, hoods. Don't get it twisted. God did it, done it, got it good. So there you go. Isn't that great? No. Um, but no, that, it's just a, it, it, I just kept singing this over and over as I was seeing, you know, they did, they were getting it twisted, they were using their talents and they were using their gifts and they were trying to run to the pack, run to the front of the pack or the top and they were trying to, this arrogance really came about them and I noticed, I was like, we do this in the church as well and we do and this isn't a rebu rebuke, it's for me as well. I was so convicted on this, you know, um, it, you know, some of us are g gifted in teaching, for instance, and and we walk around, and we um, and we kind of uh, we kind of use that sometimes even as a weapon. But we have to understand that g that gifts and talents are given by God for His glory to be to be made to be made known for His glory to be made known. It should humble us if we are called to teach. It should humble us never. Any of the gifts He gives us, whether it's teaching, preaching, prophecy, whatever it is, if it's working in the kitchen, if it's hospitality, whatever gift He's given us or talent, um, if it's cooking, whatever it is. Um, that it is never to make us prideful. It should only truly make us humble if we find our, ourselves in those positions. It is to further the gospel. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, and it says this, uh, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were, were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Our teachers needed, yes, our preachers needed, absolutely, but we are granted this privilege. We must examine our motivation. One thing that Pastor Brian has been saying over and over the last few weeks is it is war. We are at war from the moment that we, that we put our feet on the ground. And now before I, so lately I've been like not checking my phone as soon as I wake up <laughs> before my feet touch the ground. It is, I'm at war. Uh, it is a spiritual war. We want to trade the truth of God for a lie every day in all that we do. We want to go around and um, 
and we want to, uh, you know, we want to be puffed up in the things that we do maybe or in the talents that God's given us. And we want to use it for our glory, whether we think that or not. Sometimes it's even unconscious that we do that. Uh, we can't rest on our laurels. Is that right? Laurels? <laughs> um, experience, knowledge, degrees even. Uh, education, time invested in the church, money invested in the church. We of all people, those that are, that are given these positions of leadership in any way, um, we are to be the, the most humble of them all. Nothing you have to give anyone here is from you. Nothing that I have to give is from me at all. Uh, God uses, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians, we talked, he uses the, uh, the weak things of the world. We're just vessels that we used, and praise God that he even uses us, right? Floored me as I'm reading this. I'm like, why, you know, he can only, only he could be, he could get the glory. Positions of power can be really, I put yucky <laughs> in the church, it can be. Um, and, and didn't the disciples, they did that, they, they started to um, ask God, ask Jesus, well, who's the greatest, you know? Which one of us is the best? And he grabbed a child, and he said, anybody that welcomes these children in, you know, the innocence, he says, you, you're not, you, that's not, that's the wrong mind, it's the wrong mindset. We aren't to walk around thinking that, um, that we're anything at all. It's not about us. It's a scary thing to be called to teach. James 3.1 says not many, of you who sh- uh, not many of you should become teachers. So if you're wanting to be a teacher, I'd pray about it first. <laughs> Uh, My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There's zero room for um, arrogance. Our mission is what? To make uh, disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Holy, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we can spread the gospel, make the glory of God known throughout all of the world. That is our mission. Paul gives practical examples, um, and he what? He wants us to be united in the church. Because what happens when is there, what they did is they tried to one-up each other. There was puffiness, you know, their pride. They weren't united. They weren't after the same mission, right? And doesn't he say later, um, he, and he talked about this in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, one body, many members. We talked about that in our, in our study as well and the answers. Um, so you might have the gift of hospitality, and you might work in the kitchen, and you might cook in this church. You might teach. You might preach. You, well, no, preaching in this church. We're women. Um, but you know what I'm saying. Those are the talents, uh, you know, that, that Pastor Brian has that and Jonathan. Um, but to teach, and we have all these different members of the church doing that. So if you're on the sideline and you think that you can come and just watch, don't. If you are called, um, if you are called to, if you are a believer, you've been called to this church, you have a job here. You have something, something to give. You have some talent, some, something to serve in some way. So uh, make sure that, uh, that we do that. And those who teach, make sure that we don't walk around with this uh, acting as if we have something um, major to give that ha- that comes from us because it's really dangerous um, we talked about this in our leaders meeting it's very dangerous to be a person um, in leadership in a church it's it's a very dangerous place to be because you oh you're a great teacher oh my gosh I love the way you brought this you know and 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 Satan can definitely use that against us in that whispering those lies we trade the truth of God for a lie right we're something oh we've got I've got something major to give my power I'm an eloquent speaker or whatever it is, or I can really digest the word, and I can really spit it back out, and that should never be, it should never be, Um, and so that's what Paul's point was in all of this, don't be so puffed up, remember, have the mind of Christ, Um, it's about him, not about you, he's used you, I mean, humbly, and and again, how he uses us and why is just an amazing thing, but we are to be united as a church, because after all, we are after the same uh, mission, we're after the same goal, 
There are people, would you agree, that irritate you in your own church? Never? Um, but there are. And so because uh, we, what we have together, Brian, Pastor Brian has said this, what brings us together is Christ. We not, may not like the same foods. We may not like the same whatever. We may not live in the same neighborhoods, but we are united in Christ. And that alone, that alone, is, and, and there's no other group of people that I know that can do that because Christ unites us, that we bring ourselves back to that and we, and we are on mission with God. We're on mission together, not against each other. And we are to be hospitable to one another as well. Uh, and to be grounded in his words, to make sure that we're reading his words so that those enemies' lies um, aren't construed as truth. Because uh, he certainly did that with uh, Eve, did he not? Uh, he went after her, and he made it about her, did he not? That's what he did. He, that was the temptation. He made it, well, God didn't really say you would die. I mean, surely not. You know, and she made it, yeah. Well, didn't you want that apple? Apps or apple, whatever fruit it is. Um, you know, to my childhood days, it's an apple. But, um, you know, it's, it's all about your desires and you going after that. And, and Paul just didn't want that to happen. I mean, he didn't want the church to fall under that. And we were to examine ourselves. He says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize uh, this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you, uh, unless indeed you fail to meet that test. And we're also to test our motives as well. We're to run, carry the gospel, and we are to tell. And we are to do that. That is our mission. Um, Paul did it, and so are we. Ten years later, um, after uh, Paul wrote this, Peter wrote Second Peter. First, Second uh, Peter 1, and in verses 1 through 15, he says, His power, his divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, this is where, you know, if you're an underliner, uh, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. Here we are with the church, we are with each other, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice, I circled the word practice because we have to practice these qualities, you won't fall. For in this way there will be richly... Um, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in verse 12, he says, Therefore, I intend always to remind, circle that, remind you of all these qualities, though you know them. So he knows them, but they are to be reminded and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of a reminder. Circle that. Since I know that, uh, that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time to recall and circle recall these things. He wanted to remind them what is the purpose. It is, in the end, he, he went through all of those, right? He went through supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with, with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. 
So he, his goal is, Paul's goal, and he, what he wanted to remind the church is that is we are to love one another. You might be the most talented or the most, you know, whatever it is in your area the, of service, but if you're not loving others, it's all for naught, right? And he wanted them, um, you know, not to get it twisted. Chapter 12, um, he talked about one body, many members. Love that. Um, so what are the gifts? What are the different gifts that you might have? Healing, uh, being an apostle, an administration, knowledge, tongues, prophecy, faith, gener- generosity. He lists all of those. Uh, teaching, but without love, it is all for nothing. So I love the way that he reminds us of that. I have to be reminded of that no matter what you do, no matter what any of us do. We, in, in, in the mission, while we are on mission for God, and in we, when we are, um, our goal as a church is to spread that gospel, uh, we are to uh, build each other up, but we are to love each other, even those that we don't like. It's hard to hear, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, um, why is it the love chapter? Because all the stuff that he talked about before, all these gifts, faith, hope, and love even, but the greatest of these is love. There is no arrogance in love. Romans 12 says this. Remember, he wrote this a year later after he wrote 1 Corinthians. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, that refers back to, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We all can't be hands. We all can't be feet. That wouldn't be a body, right? So we, we, we would all have a different function. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Don't be jealous of someone else's gift. God given it, has given it to you, again, for his glory. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So how are you all doing with that? Uh, Convicted for sure. Um, on that, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to be reminded of. There's a lot to to even write down to be reminded. We live in a very chaotic world. You might be raising little babies, you might be raising kids, and your biggest concern of the day is what color cup to give them. I don't know. Um, it could be that there's a lot of chaos going on, um, but we are to be reminded of who we are, what our mission is, and who we do it with. Ooh, sorry, and to love one another. And the other thing they got it twisted right in chapter 15 was the resurrection. Uh, they did not uh, believe that their own bodies would be resurrected, but of course we know, uh, Dan brought that up last week as well, that there would be no hope if we did not have this resurrection. Uh, Christ is our second Adam. We're raised with him. So, And then in 2 Corinthians, pretty much the whole book is Paul defends his position that Jesus gave him at conversion. Paul didn't choose Jesus, did he? Paul did not, or it was Saul, I guess, then, right? Saul, I forgot about that when I talked about Paul. Hmm. He was Saul and then Paul. Um, okay, so Paul uh, defends, uh, defends his position. Paul did not, or Saul did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose him. You didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you, and he chose you for a purpose, okay? Your timeline is God's story of, of his sovereignty. You're here. 
you know, hopefully you are a believer. I pray that you are. I know most of you. I think you are. (laughs) Um, You are not the star of the show. You're not the main character of your story, um, of this timeline of your life. You're not the main character, but God graciously uses us, and he loves you, and he does love us, but he doesn't give. We were talking about this, um, um, Emily, I think we were talking about this in, uh, in class, that God gives us these talents or gifts, and he may even give us our resources, and he does give us our resources too, but why? Is it to make us happy? Is it to make us cheerful? Um, it is to, one, for his glory, yes. And, and do good gifts come from the Lord? Absolutely. Do we as parents give our kids good gifts? We do, uh, because we love them. However, God's gifts are a little bit differently, and we talked about this, um, you know, in class, that, you know, he gives, if you give the gift of cooking, that's great, that's fine, but how are you doing that to reach others for Christ or expand the kingdom or, div- you know, build others up in the church? If it's, uh, if it's whatever it is, if he's given you a big house, if he's given you a nice house, if he's given you whatever it is, is it great to have that nice house? It is, but how are you using that for the kingdom? How are you using it as a resource that he gives us, right? So we have to be very mindful. So it's this constant mind thing that we're always having to think about when we get up. It's war. You know, we trade the truth of God for a lie. Uh, we tend to think it's about us. We tend to think that our talents are about us. And... Um, but we are to have the mind of Christ at home, at church, at work, at play. We're to be gospel-minded people. Uh, we're not to get it twisted. And I think that the church in Corinth did. I think that we do. Uh, we definitely get it twisted. And so don't do that. Go home and listen to that song. He sings it a whole lot better than I say it. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you so much for saving, for saving Saul, uh, changing his name to Paul. Lord, I thank you so much that he did not make it about himself, Lord. He could not. Uh, He just could not. And and so I'll I'll just pray, Lord, that we understand that he was a human just like we are. He didn't have any special uh, superpowers. He didn't put a cape on, uh, Lord. He is, and and so we have that same spirit that you gave him. And so, Lord, help us to to listen to Paul's words. Help us to to listen to his uh, exhortation, Lord, and to have the mind of Christ, understand what it means to be the body uh, of this church uh, that you have definitely placed us in at this time or whatever churches are represented here. Lord, I pray that all of us will not sit on the sidelines if that is right what we're doing now. And if we're taking care of our little kids, that is our ministry. So, But Lord, help us to understand what it does mean to be part of the body. And that we, in doing that, in doing this great mission uh, to, to disciple you know, men and to men and women and children and to baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we're on mission to do that, Lord, help us not to step on each other along the way. Help us not find our identity and who we're friends with or what we do or what our talents are, whatever our, uh, ev- whatever it is that you've given us, Lord. We humbly accept the gifts. We pray that we will execute them uh, for your glory and yours alone. Help us to not get it twisted and make it about ourselves, Lord, but um, to love you and to honor you in all we do. And so, Lord, just uh, we're at war, and I pray that before our feet touch the ground, as Pastor Brian has said, Lord, that we are at war uh, and that we use Scripture as our sword. It's in your name we pray. Amen.